Welcome to The Sending Space. Um, we're going to talk over the next uh, five episodes here about uh, basically building blocks for a gospel community. So as we try to think through how do we want to shape our gospel communities and how do we want to see people being able to live out the gospel in these settings, uh, what are the building blocks we want to build around? So the first thing that we're looking at is the gospel has to be central to it. It's in the name. Um, it matters. And so this is one of the key things that's going to shape the life together. But as we talk about what the gospel is and how it plays out practically, there's a couple of pitfalls. One is we could misunderstand what the gospel actually is, and that could lead us into all sorts of trouble um, or not have a clear understanding of what that looks like. Um, the other is that we could think of the gospel as sort of a doctrine, something that just sits uh, in a textbook or, or in a religious setting, but we don't see it shaping our actual real everyday lives. And so we want to talk about what it looks like to have an understanding of the gospel and how that should shape our life actually together. So um, I'm here with Ryan McDiarmid. How would we define what the gospel is? Yeah, uh, for me, it's always easiest to start with a concept and then kind of play it out um, into sort of the practical implications. But conceptually, if we think of the doctor or the, the gospel as a doctrine or a teaching, um, then we're constantly looking for a way to explain it, teach it, instruct it, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I think it's better to look at the gospel as something that's more, uh, it's more like like a food, something that feeds the Christian life. It feeds your Christian soul. It feeds your relationship with Jesus. Like without, without the good news of the gospel, uh, there's not a lot of... Uh, joy to be had in the Christian life. There's not, it, it's, it's not just a teaching about God. It is uh, very much the fuel of the Christian faith. It's also the fuel of the people of God. And so uh, it's very living in that sense. Um, and so I have this visual image of like, gra uh, of, of cows grazing on grass, the grass being the thing that fuels their life. I think of the gospel very much like that for us. It's what fuels uh, life uh, and where so you can have a Bible study that gets together and studies the Bible, learns about the teachings of the gospel, but doesn't really um, uh, feed on it themselves and therefore feel uh, really void of joy or void of excitement or void of it doesn't feel like a people of good news. Um, and so the gospel is is essentially what we're saying brings life to a community of faith. So what is the gospel? Um, I I always, like, with the gospel, I always start with the concept that it is the good news about the kingdom of God. And that means, what that means is that it has a lot of implications. So to say that the gospel is something like, Jesus rose from the grave to pay the penalty for my sins so that I might spend eternity with God the Father is 100% true in terms of a teaching of the gospel. But it, it, isn't, it isn't the only thing uh, that... It isn't, it isn't always the most compelling component of the gospel, depending on, um, on uh, kind of where a person's at. I feel like the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, the good news of the reign of God should be applicable in kind of all situations, in all settings, to all people at all times. And so uh, when you are aware of your own sin and you need a reminder that God took your place, and and has offered you participation in his kingdom regardless of what you've done then that is wonderful news to remember that jesus took your place but when you're in a place where you are wondering about what decision to make in your life um, and you feel like you need counsel or advice it's good news to remember that god is the all-powerful king and he's the one that we go to and that 
and, and he's the one who kind of rules and reigns and has set everything into motion. That's great news, too, about God's reign. So it isn't just focused on sin and redemption from sin. It is about the good news that God himself reigns and that he's given access to the kingdom through Jesus and that we should be a people of good news. Um, so I think the real test for the gospel really is like, how does the gospel apply to me today, regardless of what situation I'm in, um, rather than thinking of it as a thing I once believed, and therefore because of that, I get to spend an eternity with God in heaven. If we think about it in present terms, how is the gospel good news to me now, today, exactly where I'm at? That's kind of more the language I'm talking about when we're talking about the gospel. That's such a good uh, point to bring out. I know for myself, I have uh, there has been times in the past where I've, uh, I think the first time I encountered Ephesians 2, for example, it talks about how we're dead in our trespasses and our sins, but God comes and he makes us alive and has the whole thing about like uh, salvation comes. It is a gift of grace through faith and uh, it's not of ourselves. And all that stuff was just such a like mind blowing reality for me and still to this day is. But I do see in myself a tendency to um, make it into a, um, a doctrinal assertion. It's like a statement I sign off on. And then it clears me to then move on with the rest of my spiritual life with the Lord. Um, but what I see increasingly is that the gospel is a ongoing reality, like a life-shaping thing ongoing that, uh, that really is not just sort of my ticket to get in, but it's like the thing that shapes the way that I live ever since then. Like I, I related to Jesus through the gospel when I first became a Christian, but actually every day of my life I relate to Jesus through the gospel and the way that he wants me to interact with the other people, uh, other believers in my life and the other unbelievers in my life, like whoever it is, should be a gospel saturated thing. So one of the things that helps me with this is thinking through like Luke 4, when mm -hmm. Jesus first comes, he's proclaiming the kingdom of God and he, he like is in the synagogue and he reads about how he's been anointed by the spirit so that he could proclaim good news to the poor and setting uh, the captives free and, and all these things that it's more than just like a symbolic thing. It's like literally it's the thing that Jesus came to do is to um, pr proclaim good news, not just in some vague spiritual sense, but like people who were actually oppressed by like demonic forces. Jesus came and he literally then set them free from that oppression or people who were marginalized in society. He came and proclaimed good news to them, which was that there's now a place for you to belong. Yeah. And uh, so much with Jesus, it just comes back to every time we try to like spiritualize it or leave it sort of in the margins of our life or leave it sort of in a devotional quiet time or something like Jesus always calls us to say like, no, that, that thing that you are embracing, but then leaving aside is always way more significant than you think it is. And it has the power to like transform and change not just what you think, but how you live and interact with people. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's why I, I, one of the central passages I go to, it's like a go-to passage to be reminded of the power of the gospel, is when Paul talks to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, uh, unless you believed in vain. And I, I, what, what that does is it just constantly reminds me of the tenses of the, of the gospel, meaning the gospel is something that must be proclaimed, it must be preached. So to be a gospel community means that we are a proclaiming people. We are constantly reminding people of the good news of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God and how we participate in it. 
but it also has to be received. And there are times when each of us received the gospel for the first time, but we must receive that truth constantly because we're people who, who believe and then we're fickle and we forget or we doubt or we struggle. And so this, there's this component of the gospel that's always receiving. It's what we're standing firm on. It's the foundation for which we stand. It's what makes us a people of God is the gospel. And I love the phrase, by which you are being saved. So as a younger kid, I, I understood the gospel to be the thing that saved me rather than the thing that I'm constantly being saved by. Uh, and so to bring it a, just a little bit more practical, when I think about the gospel, I think of something much more rather than a statement about Jesus dying for my sins so that someday I might spend an eternity with God in heaven, I think more through the lens of something like the four G's, where they are statements about the nature of God, God as our king, and those have really practical implications for me today. If God is great, then I don't have to be in control. That is a statement that is that is true of the king, the kingdom reign of God. And you see that reiterated in Jesus when he's telling us not to have worry or anxiety over where we're going to lay our head or anything. He's saying God's great and he will take care of whatever you need um, as long as you, when you're in the kingdom of God. So rest in that. You don't need to be in control. And when you say God is good, well, Jesus is constantly trying to convey God's goodness to the people and ultimately demonstrates um, I mean, it's constantly telling them, like, look, I'm the, I'm the only thing that's going to satisfy you. I'm the only thing that's going to satisfy you. I'm the only thing that is good, you know. Everything else isn't. Um, it, that Again, that's more of the, the, the kingdom language. God is glorious, meaning he's the one who gets all the fame and glory. So I don't need to impress people around me. Or God is gracious. And so I can really, I don't have to struggle with the fact that I've failed. Those, to me, are statements about the nature of God our king that bring a lot of peace, rest, and joy to my life, you know? So I hear those things and I go, oh, this is good news. Yeah, I don't have to be in control. Yeah, I don't need to look for somewhere else just to be satisfied. Uh, God is merciful, so when I screw up or mess up, he's He's right there to, like, cover, you know, cover my sins. That, to me, is, if we live in that space, then we're people of the good news. Um, and... Um, I think, you know, if you are ever looking for references on this, uh, Jeff Vanderstelt does some great, um, has great discussions about this. He calls it being gospel fluent, um, or he talks about gospel fluency, meaning that the people of God must learn, just as you would learn a foreign language, you must learn to speak the good news of Jesus fluently. And it isn't just Jesus died for your sins, now you go to heaven. It's like in any moment at any time, how do I translate the gospel to this moment? So, we are like winning as a community of faith when we can have relationships with people and as the people that we are loving, the people who are in the church and outside of the church are going through life, when we can speak the truths of the kingdom of God over them, we are breathing life into them and that is a good news people. Um, and it's something that's way more felt than it is really just uh, learned or acknowledged. It is so good. I The concept of gospel fluency, so... Uh, my earlier experiences earlier in life with evangelism was all about like, you go, you find somebody, you convince them of their sin and their guilt, and then you can go through the whole like Romans road thing, or maybe like the four spiritual laws thing where you're saying how you've sinned, Jesus saves you from that. Um, and all that is like good and right. I think sometimes what happens is we, we try to like, deny, like, 
uh, C.S. Lewis has this thing where he talks about how we're way more likely to be correct in what we affirm than what we deny. So he says, like, if I want to say that there's uh, a spider in this room, all I have to do is see a spider and I can be like, yes, there is a spider in this room. But if I want to say there's no spider in this room, I have to, like, be in every single corner and nook and cranny of this room at the same moment. He says, just you're not likely to be right when you're saying it's not this. But, you know, you can affirm a thing. I think the gospel's like that a lot of times where we, like, we're like, no, 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 like, gospel's not this. I think so much of it for me is both seeing that the gospel is way bigger than I think it is, meaning um, not that it can mean anything I want it to mean, but just that it is good news in a more profound sense than I ever could have imagined, and that it's good news to more people than I could have imagined. And so for me, a lot of gospel fluency is learning to see all the ways that the gospel is good news to somebody so that I don't have yeah, to exactly. So I don't have to have a sales pitch where I'm trying to first convince somebody that they need the product that I have and whatever. Uh, because I only have a certain kind of a pitch, but it's just, it's hearing where someone's at. And if someone does come to me and say, I just feel so guilty over my past, then I have a perfect answer for that through the gospel. Um, but if, if I talk to somebody that's feeling like lonely in their life and they're like, um, they're just, yeah, they're feeling, feeling purposeless. So they're feeling alone or whatever. I can go to them and talk about how, because Jesus is the King and because he, because he has defeated death and everything, there is a family they can belong to. Um, there's a mission that they're called into. Um, there's like people that are longing for truth and beauty. Um, like I don't have to always come to the entry point of, um, the way that I was brought into the gospel, but I can, um, understand the gospel better and then listen to people better and then make those connections. The, yeah. the point of it really is, um, our lives, we all have a sense that there's bad news in our lives. And so the gospel being the good news is saying, uh, the more I get to know Jesus and the more I think about him and what he offers and how much life is found in him, how does the good news of who Jesus is and the life that's found in him, how does that hit this person where they're at right now? And then being able to just tell it through simple stories and yeah. simple things instead of trying to launch into a sales pitch or pull a track out of my back pocket. Not that that's always bad. I mean, God totally. uses whatever, but... Um, it just it's so much more useful when we can see it more clearly like that. Yeah, and just getting away from the idea that we have to steer, lead, guide conversations, be strategic about how we share the gospel with people. Like all of that makes the love that we're trying to communicate to the people around us feel very rigid and unnatural. Uh, the The world is full of despair. The world is full of discouragement and critique. The world is full of messages that say, um, you know, everything's going downhill and, you know, look out for this, look out for that. The world is filled with fear messages. And the people of the good news should be able to rest in the sufficiency of God. And I think of, you know, in 1 Corinthians 13, when Paul says, now these three remain faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, that, that if the, the message, that the biggest thing we should be doing is not trying to come up with strategies for having discussions about Jesus as much as we should be a people that embody hope and faith and love in Jesus when when things are really good and when things are really bad. And, and there's so much more of a way that we as the people of God should feel than there is so much about what we need to say all the time. Um, and and so I, 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 I when I talk about being a gospel people, I just feel like it can easily become overwhelming because people feel like I'm not qualified 
to answer people's questions about the Bible. I don't see naturally where I can insert a statement about Jesus. I haven't memorized Bible verses, so how am I going to point people to Scripture? The goal is not to point people to Scripture. The goal is to love people, give them hope, and point them to faith in Jesus when things are good and bad, and that's the security that the kingdom of God brings. And you don't need to talk about things you don't know. You just talk about how you see the, you know, the, how the kingdom of God is playing out in your life, the assurance or the confidence that it's giving to you to know that, that God is in control of all of this and that he's demonstrated that by laying down his own life for us. So we, you know, there's so many things that um, we can share in times uh, that are up or down for people. But the biggest thing is not trying to craft some artificial conversation um, or get good at um, get good at saying certain phrases or words or injecting certain analogies artificially. That is just, it's, it's about like loving people well and pointing them to something that's hopeful when they're more likely to look inward or look at small things or see the despair in a situation. Like we all are, we all, mm-hmm. we all do that. You know? I think another aspect of this is, uh, it just, it comes to mind as you talk about, um, not necessarily like having all the answers. I know one time I, I used to be a little bit intimidated about talking to people about spiritual things because what if I don't know the answer? You know, what if they bring up something that's some objection? I don't know what to tell them. But so much of it is not just knowing the gospel or speaking the gospel, but also embodying the gospel. Yes. So if the gospel means good news, then what does it look like for me as a person to uh, be that good news or to bring that good news? Obviously, Jesus is the good news, but he uh, works that through it. We carry that good news. So you know, if you talk to somebody that's that's having like a really hard time, you know, someone's having some tragedy in their life or something, and there's a fear, right? What What's the answer? What do I say to that person? But really, what means the most to people when they're going through some hard situation is not always having an answer told to them or me proclaiming good news to them through my words. Sometimes being the good news to someone is just being there to like hold them while they cry yeah. or to cry with them. And that is um, that is sort of embodying the gospel. I think uh, I think we we are too word focused sometimes in how we approach other people, and so yeah. if we can just be with people, um, be a community of people that um, that someone actually wants to belong to, that like it feels feels like good news to be part of this group. Yeah. Um, then I feel like that's that's a lot more of what a gospel community is. Than right. Totally. Like. And and like a great example is so many people, you know, struggle in marriage or parenting, you know, and. You know, it just feels like their relationship is, you know, um, on the rocks or that they'll never experience, you know, love in their marriage uh, the way that they imagined they would. And I, and I think that being a people of good news are people who say, um, well, you, it may be hard for you to believe that right now, but I believe that for you. I believe, I don't believe that. Uh, the way things are right now is the way things always will be. And I believe that God does, you know, restore and redeem. And here's ways I've seen him restore and redeem areas in my life. So it's okay that you are struggling right now. I struggle a lot of times, but I help, I do believe for you and with you. Like I, I believe that, that, that though our hearts kind of are fickle, um, what I know in the long run is, God's goodness in his hand. I've seen it, you know, a lot of times over, you know, and so it's just, again, another example of just what is it like to be the hope um, rather than to say, well, there's a Bible verse about 
not getting divorced, you know. Um, so if you want to honor God, don't get divorced. Well, that isn't, it may be true to some degree, but it also isn't entirely encouraging either. Or if you were in that situation, not the most helpful thing for you. Um, certainly there's place for exhortation in a good news community. Um, but there's also a lot of like um, sitting with people and what they're going through and helping them to see what's hard to see when you're in when you're in hard times in life, you know, um, and, to, and to believe it for them when they don't believe it themselves, you know. So. Totally. And just having we had a couple in our uh, gospel community last year that went through an unimaginable loss and uh, none of us knew what to tell them. I mean, it was a situation we were praying for them before and then of course the worst happens right and uh and so there's all these questions about like god we prayed for this not to happen and then it happens and uh and so there's all this like heartache and there's this hard thing but what happens is none of us had an answer to it but we uh we were all constantly praying for this couple um people began to bring them bring them meals to send them notes and then when they were able to come and rejoin us in our community again. The first thing we did was we just stopped and we paused and we all came around them and we just prayed for them, laid hands on them and prayed for them. Uh, no answers, but like we were all crying with them. And I think what um, just way more, way yes. more even than just the prayers that we prayed and way better than any answer we could have offered yeah. uh, was just us being there with them and sharing some tears with them. Yeah. And, uh, and so that they know what the good news there is, obviously, is that Jesus loves them. Um, but that Jesus loving them means that he's transformed our hearts and placed us in their lives too. Yeah. And so a lot of that good news is we're here right now. And so we're able to like embody that yep. to them. That's such a life. good example. That's a great example. So as we talk about what it means to be a gospel community, then uh, two questions that should help shape the lives of our groups together. Um, and, and one is, and I think these are very foundational. So one is, who do you see in your life right now that needs the good news? Um, obviously, the answer to that is everyone, right? But as you look around, as you consider the people that God's brought into your life, um, who do you see that is just like standing out as like, this person needs good news and seeing, and then, and then we begin to think, how is Jesus that good news to them? Um, and the other question then is, how can we as a group, if we're going to be a gospel community, carrying the gospel into these places and embodying it, how can we embody the good news to those people? Yeah. Um, so a lot of this is trying to define like who, like yeah. we could care for anybody in this world, but there's maybe some specific people that God brings to our mind. And maybe maybe a um, a more poignant way to think about it, I just thought of this as you were talking, is if I was to think there are so many spheres of relationships I have in my life, but if I was to think through right now, in my family to my wife and children, uh, which of my kids, which of my relationships in my immediate home really needs the good news right now and and what would that look like to speak that into their life and then i go one you know concentric circle out from there and i go okay in my gospel community i'm thinking of the families and the faces that are in my gospel community and i think about the things that they're going through in their lives right now which of them stands out as really needing the good news uh, and what would it look like to embody that to them like what are they going through i can think of families that are kind of struggling right now um, and then I go one more concentric circle out, and we have a group of people who we're going through the story of God with this summer, and they are connected to people in our gospel community, though everyone in our gospel community isn't uh, involved in the story of God that we're doing with them. They're more centered around our kids' schools. Uh, and as I like look at them, these people who don't know Jesus, who are interested in learning about Jesus, 
and they're willing to go through the story of God, what, how do I embody the good news to them? Because it's different than the way that I embody it maybe to my children who already know that there's this underlying assumption that we are followers of Jesus and the people in my spiritual community, uh, my gospel community that already know that, those things. And I think in that last example, I can think of um, the people that we're going through the story of God with, they are interested in knowing about Jesus, but they've been turned off by the by Christian culture in many ways, and they don't feel comfortable coming to church necessarily to find Jesus. So what they need right now is a group of people who are normal, who love them, who hang out with them, eat with them, uh, expect nothing of them in terms of uh, they don't need to think what we think, they don't need to believe what we believe, but are people who are willing to have a real conversation about things that matter and not be weird or uncomfortable when we're talking about our own faith. They just need an environment that feels safe where they can explore their their faith. And and I, I've seen like a lot of good come from that already, um, where you've seen these people who were apprehensive in coming to the story of God, worried about what it was going to be like to hang out with a few Christians, talk about religious things to people who feel really comfortable in the story of God and in the times that we're together. Um, they don't believe yet, um, but they're beginning in a lot more greater sense to belong. And and I think that's a huge need for someone who's outside. I mean, belonging is huge for all of us, but it is a huge need for them. So I think as you're thinking through your own situations, you know, uh, it's good. It's maybe helpful to look, think through those fears because every one of those concentric circles uh, need the good news in a different way. You need the good news right now in a in a new and fresh way. It's how you're Remember, it's how you're being saved, you know. Hmm. So. so so, much of my church experience has been um, the church sets up a structure, and I follow that structure, and I fit into it, um, which is all fine. But I think a lot of what we're trying to do with these gospel communities is getting people to look at their actual lives and not saying, how do I follow a church program and sign up for it and be part of it, but saying, what do the people around me need? And then how can I, not not like getting rid of the gospel or not getting rid of the church or anything like that, but just saying, what what, is, what does Jesus mean to these people and how can I help them realize that yeah. Jesus is that? And so um, so I like the call to sort of creativity and just saying yeah. like, um, okay, think through, like who's hurting? Who needs, who needs you know, yeah. uh, the good news in some area? And then what would it look like for me to partner with some other people and right. just provide that, like provide that good news for them yeah, totally. and help them, help them to find just really subtle, small ways to, to realize that. Yeah. And some of this we'll get into in the next section, but I, I think when I, when I have in the past looked at the people and the relationships that are around me, I have thought through the lens of what do I need to do as a believer to communicate the love of Jesus to these people? And what we're asking in gospel communities is a, is, a, is a little bit of a different question. You need to begin there thinking about the relationships that just you have. But, but the big addition there is the we. It's what do we do in order to bring the gospel to the people that are around us? And the we might just simply be we pray for one another as we go out and we love the people who are around us. Uh, the we might be we serve the local elementary school uh, because that's where kids and relationships are and, and it will help to advance the mission that we have here. We um, are going to start a story of God for all of the people who 
are, uh, are who are seeking or who are around us. So the whole point is, it's it, it begins with a, an individual assessment, but what gospel community is about is not just individual evangelism. It's I think that takes a lot of the point of the church out of all of this, and that that there's a reason why we weren't left alone. In and of ourselves, we're inadequate for the work just by ourselves. There's always been a we component to the the community of faith. So the question is, given all the eyes, all the relationships that are centered around me, how can we best work together to bring the gospel here, you know? Uh, in a place where we our spheres overlap, uh, in a place where we feel supported uh, when we're kind of out on a limb, uh, and there's lots of different solutions to that. That's what you were saying, Mark. Is it's not, it's it's not about any one vehicle, any one way, and that's scary for some people. But the point is, uh, it takes away. It definitely puts the responsibility on the gospel community leaders to continue to stay focused on how are we bringing the gospel. And how are we living the gospel and how are we breathing the gospel um, to one another and to those who have yet to know Jesus. Uh, but it also gives you the freedom to figure out uh, the best way to do it for your community, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's seeing like, where am I seeing God working right now? And how might I step into that as opposed to trying to make something happen in a different area? Oh, totally. You know? Oh, that's a whole, I mean, I talk about that forever. The story of God group that we're doing right now with uh, a couple that doesn't know Jesus and a, a mom that doesn't know Jesus. If you would have asked me a year ago uh, who we would be doing a story of God with, I never would have imagined that it was these people. It just is. We've been praying for people by name for a year, and God has moved in a lot of relationships in a lot of different ways. Uh, in fact, one of the couples who's so unconnected from church that we were praying for for a year, they're now coming fairly regularly to Creekside. And we're building a lot of relationship with them. But I never would have guessed that the people we're doing Story of God with this summer were people that he, places he would have moved. But what we saw over the years as we were praying, he was just moving in certain relationships. People were asking questions. One of these guys, uh, he, he lost his grandfather and it started to make him ask all of these questions that he'd never asked that were spiritually, uh, with all these spiritual undertones. And he was looking for answers and he knew that... Um, he, that that I was a pastor, and so he started talking with, um, he started talking, with, or his wife started talking to, to Katie, and as a result, it's just like now they're interested in the story of God. Well, all of that is just God moving, and that's that's what's great about it. Is we don't need to conjure up uh, the the movement of God. We just we're just as a community being ready. We're cultivating an environment to where as God moves, we seize those moments um, rather than just kind of like the uh, story of the Good Samaritan just being people who just walk right by and not see yeah. what God's doing, you know, yeah. already. And I think I think the, the kind of key for this is to to step away from kind of thinking through this stuff and to say, okay, uh, it's not about starting a group based on a structure or, um, or doing group in a certain way that we're used to or whatever. It's about saying, because there's real needs around us and we are people that have been transformed with the gospel and are sent on a mission with the gospel. And so what does it look for, like for us to shape that group together in a way that's going to make an impact or, or give play, people a place to belong and, and yeah. embody that good news to real people around us rather than creating some kind of awkward churchy thing that we're used to because we're in the church, but that it's going to be weird to other people. 
how can we create something that's going to actually be real and compelling and life-giving to real people? And when we say real people, we're thinking of actual faces that we encounter yeah. on a daily basis that um, that we can begin to just say, how can we bless these people and yeah. be good news to them? Yeah, exactly.